Hmm. It wasn't something I was wondering about. It was hmm. something I had been waiting for. Hmm. So we, yeah, we had this meeting and we thought, oh, well, maybe the three of us hmm. could do something together. Hmm. And the, the funny thing is that was three days before the deadline of the Grammy entry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think, you know, these days, musicians, you can't afford to be just a musician. Um, you need to really uh, manage your, your music business and think like an entrepreneur. So I think we have everything in this country, but I'm very disappointed, you know, from um, when the democracy started mm. and the, the visions that we all had mm. then. Spread the fire. Spread the fire. Spread the fire. Spread the fire. Welcome back to SMWX. And today I am very excited to be joined by a multiple Grammy Award winning artist, a true polymath and someone who has broken ground in multiple fields, but particularly in the musical field in South Africa, our very own Voter Kellerman. Voter, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Cizwe. Thanks. I'm so, so happy to be here and to have some interesting conversation. We're really looking forward to it. The pleasure is ours. Multiple Grammy Awards. <laughs> yeah, multiple. We saying, yeah. You <laughs> saying earlier, like it's two, but I prefer hey. to say multiple yeah, because exactly. then people don't know how many. This exactly. is just a selection of the Grammys <laughs> that, that we have here. Um, thank you very much for bringing the Grammys. Uh, incredible right. to see them up close. Yeah. Of course, you're, you're, you're you know, the only artist or single artist to have won two Grammys from South Africa. You've done it all in many ways musically, but I wanted to start by going back to that moment when your kids had finally left the house and in your forties, I think you yeah. then decide you want to do music full time. You'd been doing it periodically. Yeah. Take us through that decision because I'm about to turn 35 and I already feel like if I do something new, I'm too old to do yeah, that. Yeah. To do something in your 40s must have been a huge leap of faith. Yeah, but actually it came a long way because I started playing when I was 10 years old. Sure. And I loved it from the first moment. Sure. And when I left school, I wanted to study music, but uh, we didn't have money uh, for, to send me to university. My family didn't have money. So I had to study something that I could get a bursary for. And that was not music, that was engineering, because my other talent is mathematics and engineering. Mm. Um, so I was offered a, a bursary to study engineering from uh, by Anglo-American. So I, I studied, that was the only way I could get to university. So I studied, yeah. and I also enjoy engineering, but it's not my passion. Yeah. You know? So after university, I had to work back uh, on the coal mines mm. um, for Anglo-American, and after one year, I had enough. <laughs> so... I, I I said, no, I couldn't handle another year of this. So I, I went ahead and started my own engineering company. Mm. And then after, a f and meanwhile, I got married and had kids young. And um, and then after a few years, I thought, okay, now it's time to follow my passion. I'm mm. going to be a full-time musician. And within six months, my money ran out. Sure, sure. <laughs> and then I went back to engineering. Mm. And mm. Uh, that pattern, it, it was difficult because... By then, I got divorced. I had custody over my kids, mm. and I couldn't tour. I couldn't be away from them. Yeah. Um, so they kind of they took priority, and um, because I couldn't tour, I couldn't really make music a viable full time profession. Yeah. And um, also, engineering was just so much more financially worthwhile. Sure. And to look after them, to pay for everything. So basically, I, I had to wait twenty years mm. before I could follow follow my passion. Hmm. Uh, full-time. Meanwhile, I three weeks a year, I allowed myself away from the kids and I would go and travel overseas and do master classes with all the world's best flute teachers. Mm -hmm. And um, so by the time the kids left school in university um, at age 44, mm -hmm. it wasn't something I was wondering about. It was mm -hmm. something I had been waiting for mm -hmm. for more than 20 years. And so I was just raring to go. But it was a big decision. People thought I was crazy. Mm. Giving up my successful engineering company mm. to now, in my mid forties, play the flute full time. Yeah, you know that was quite a quite a move to make. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the most common <laughs> career move. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I was completely sure I'm going to give it a yeah. a bash. And know? and what was it like once you had you had finally got that opportunity that you'd been waiting twenty years for for your life stars to align around, 
and then you actually had the time to do it. Yeah. What was that moment like for you? Did, did you just throw yourself completely into it or was it like, I've been wanting to do this for 20 years and now yeah. I don't even know where to start kind of thing? No, I just threw myself completely. <laughs> I just went in full, full. Yeah. And I started with my first album. Is this the one that came out in 2007? Seven, yeah. Right. Okay, uh, so so when 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 did you start working on, on that one? Uh, 2005 already. Wow, okay. And I started working on it uh, with my guitarist then. Hmm. And uh, we started writing new music. Hmm. And I had never composed anything. I was doing only classical music. Wow. And I thought, this is my chance. So him and I were both classical musicians, and we both clueless in terms of improvising. Mm. And we felt very comfortable around each other to do something really bad and stupid. Mm. And that was kind of the perfect place, space, to a safe space to try things. Yeah. And slowly new melodies came, and, uh, and I, I went obsessive on that first album. Mm. <laughs> I mm. went all the mm. way. I, I I spent two years on it, finally mixed and mastered uh, it here, and I still yeah. wasn't happy. Then I approached um, the best engineer in the world, in my opinion, mm. at that time, Husky Hoskills. Right. He had just mixed Nora Jones's big album, uh, Come Away With mm. Me, that won eight Grammys. Come Away With and Me. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that album was huge. It was yeah. huge. I don't. Th I think it broke the record. I think still mm. hasn't been broken till today for the amount of Grammys won. Mm. So I, I think the amount of times my mom played that album in in my house when I was a teenager, I think she accounted for about half of those <laughs> half plays. Of all the plays. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I fell in love with Nora Jones. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I used to put her music on and fall asleep to it mm. every night. Mm. Mm. And then I thought, um, let me. Let me um, use that engineer because that's the best. Wow. And I just took a chance. I sent the album over. I, I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who had yeah. his email address. <laughs> and I sent him the music and he was like, I would love to mix it. I, he actually said, I wow. think it's beautifully mixed already. <laughs> but if you'd like me to, to have a try. Yeah. So I, I thought this is fantastic. So I went over to LA, spent <laughs> two weeks with him in the studio, just mixing, wow. mixing, mixing. What was that? What What did you learn about the mixing and and did he also master or did he just mix? Yeah, he, um, he mixed. Uh, we we yeah. had it mastered by someone else. Right. Um, what did you learn from the craft, like watching someone like that yeah. in action? It was a big. It was a big deal for me because mm. this was my first album, mm. and this was his gazillionth yeah. album, and it was very hard because I had to stand on principle on what I heard. Mm. So when I disagreed. Hmm. It was very hard because here I'm this beginner. You even disagreed with with him. I disagreed very much. Wow. So, <laughs> so actually, it's amazing. Half actually. the songs, yeah, weren't improved by him. Huh. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. And um, and uh, and I did some very unconventional things mm. with him, um, that he didn't agree with. Um, mm. And um, so we we actually kept our previous mixes for half the songs, but <laughs> the other half was the mm. the ones that were that I wasn't happy with that mm. I mm. that he improved greatly, mm. you know. So he made a big difference um, to those to those songs, and um, but things on the like the flute sound, mm. we had huge difference of opinions, <laughs> and um, and I just I I I just stood my ground, yeah, yeah, and we did it. In, in the end, afterwards he said, "You know, but I, I felt bad that you, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that you did that you, because I mean it's technical jargon." So I, I, I no, don't, by I've, all means, like I, I happen mm. to have musical interests myself and uh, I've done some production. Okay, yeah. So, so basically, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I used an initial. I, I, we, I worked in Logic. Yeah, they, Logic. They, yeah. they have their own rooms. Sure. To that great. Uh, reverbs and stuff, mm. but he had much better rooms mm. and mm. Uh, uh, ways to make the flute sound good. Sure, but they didn't sound better to me. <laughs> and he was, and he nearly had a heart attack. Are you still? Are you really going to use a traditional mm. logic room mm. on this? And I said to me, it sounds better. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so he had to go with me because I'm the client. Mm. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's where the engineer, the twenty years of engineering money came in handy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I eventually, after about four years later, I figured out why that was the case. Mm -hmm. It took me four years to fi figure out finally why did we have a difference of opinion. 
tell us because every every uh, producer who's who's watching yeah. and listening would be very interested to know that. Yeah, because basically when um, when I record, yeah, you know, you listen, you add a room, you you're very close to the mic, and you add a little bit of reverb mm. and delay. You have a room that you add, um, mm. and then when I play, I react to that room. If right. that room is very wet. I play a bit shorter. Right. If it's a very bright room, I play a bit darker. Mm, mm. And also when I edit, when I choose and I edit, mm. I listen to the room. So now we went to his stu studio and he had a different room. Right. Which is a better room. Mm. But, but the, the play is not tuned to yeah. the room. Sure. So that took me, he also didn't know. Mm, mm, um, mm. And took me about, I mean, the next album, I just... Didn't use any rooms to, mm. to, I just like mm. a very plain reverb. And then, and then from then on, we actually agreed on the room before. Right. Before right. I start recording. Sure. And then everything was sorted from then on. So and, uh, this actually speaks to something that fascinates me about your attention to detail when it comes to the production. Yeah. Um, because I've heard you speak in other interviews about. Yes, it's important that you strategize about how you're going to get to where you get in your career. Yes. Multiple <laughs> Grammy winner. But there's also the, the attention to detail and the artistic integrity of yeah. the production. And talk, yeah. talk us through, through that, you know, yeah. from your perspective. And I heard on one album you, you spent like 5,000 hours or something yeah. close to that on the album. Just getting it right. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard of musical perfectionism, but that's that's normally like, okay, you listen to it like, you know, over three days and then you're like, okay, I think I've pretty much got it right. 5,000 hours is... Yeah, no, I, I take obsession to a whole different level. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and because, you know, I feel like even if you love something, you don't know if your audience is going to love it. Mm. Um, but you have to love it. To have any chance, sure. You you must have you must feel it, because you I think you need to feel like I am being moved. Yeah. And um, so, and if you don't feel it, then it's just not there. Yeah. And then yeah. And then to get there, you can flounder and you can try and because there's not a straight way. It's not a straight road there. Mm. You try this, it doesn't work. You mm. try this, you try that, you try this, and eventually you find something that works. Yeah. But it can take you forever, you know. <laughs> yeah, that uh, the one album that took so long was called Symphonic, Symphonic Survey to a Tribute to Nelson Mandela. Right. Which I did with um, the KZN Philharmonic and mm. uh, the Gospel Choir. Mm. So to put the whole symphony orchestra and choir and everything together actually took me 5,000 hours. Wow. Of, and uh, that was just because of the complexity of that. Mm. Mm. But even on a simple song, I will spend... You know, for example, the Grammy-winning song by Yeti. Right, by Yeti. Um, yeah. So the first flute phrase. Tell us how that whole song came about. <laughs> like the process. Yeah, like how does a Grammy-winning song happen? Yeah, this was very unconventional, actually, because I um, fell in love with Nongkribo's voice. Mm, mm. I just loved the voice and the darkness. The depth and the, and yeah, the depth. Up. And I thought that would be so beautiful with flute. Mm, the contrast. Yeah, the contrast. Wow. I thought. So you're thinking so, of that already before even the melody. Yeah, that's why I chose to approach her. Mm. That, mm. And then in a parallel, um, I had been speaking to Zakes about doing something yeah. for a few years before that. Mm. So we met at the Samas. Mm. Um and um, turns out that Sibo, who's Lake's manager, also co-manages Nuklebo. So we, yeah, we had this meeting and we thought, oh, well, maybe the three of us <laughs> could do something together. Mm. And the, the funny thing is that was three days before the deadline of the Grammy entry. Wow. Three days. So there's a Grammy entry date, mm. which is that last year was the end of August. Yeah. But then the hour the song has to be released by end of September. Okay. So but you have to we're, enter it by We're the... hearing, ladies and gentlemen, the experience of a multiple Grammy <laughs> Award winning artist, just in case. <laughs> Continue. So we had the psalmist at the end of August. Yeah. And I said yeah, and and we agreed to do something together. And I said, Well we could enter it for a Grammy. Um 
all I need now is the name mm. of the song to enter it. And then we still have a month to create the song, <laughs> you know. Wow. So I said to Zakes, what do you think we should call it? He says, I think Bayete is a nice name that we can fit any music to. Wow. And and I like, he, lo he loved the name. So and the name existed before the music before the or music anything. Before the music came. Yeah. And then <laughs> after that, I had already had some ideas, which I sent to both Zakes and Mkluba. Yeah. And it wasn't something, I just didn't get a response on it <laughs> you know, from them. <laughs> and then Zakes went into the studio and he, and he came up with a, a chord sequence, a beat. <laughs> And a little melody, which he sent to me. And then I took that, sent it to Nukluba. She added some vocals to it. Mm. And then I went ahead and produced the whole song. I created all the sections. Right. With uh, JB Arthur, it's a, a producer that I work with, mm. um, an arranger uh, that I've worked since uh, 2006. Mm. You know, so I know he's, he's amazing. So I mm. knew he'd be perfect uh, to help with this piece. Yeah. And then we created, we added the um, Scandi guitar, the um, Cora, the backing vocals. Mm. Um, mm. We created the sections and we produced the whole song. And it was problematic in the first because it, mm. the three of us have got very different, we're from different genres. Sure, sure. And, but somehow it all just f fell into place. And how did that that process of, of taking it from the, the rough version to the to the final version where, where you kind of felt you had a coherence. How did that happen? It's, it's an agonizing process. Mm. <laughs> huh. Like every, uh, it's an agonizing yeah. because you start with something that's just not good enough and you just mm. try this and try that. And JB, um, he's pretty amazing. He added everything. There was so much added, it was too much, mm. you know, but there was a lot there. I could recognize there was a lot of beauty, a lot of potential. Then I went through it and I, you know, decided what to, what to use, what not to use. Mm -hmm. And then I added my flute and, uh, and that first melody, the first flute melody, um, consists of four phrases. It's just like maybe 10, 15 seconds long. Mm -hmm. And I recorded that melody in four different studios. Hmm. So you, you won't hear it, and it's completely unconventional. Hmm. You know, you're supposed to use the same mic hmm. and the same environment so that you have a coherence of sure. sound. Sure. You know. But I recorded it at my home studio. I recorded it in JB studio, and then I recorded it. And then I, I went on tour, and I was with my friend in Wessel van Rensburg in Amsterdam. I recorded it in his studio with hmm. two different mics. Hmm. And then I put it together. And I actually, and even in one phrase, there's like two different microphones. Wow. And and uh, it's completely wrong to do yeah. that. Like all engineers yeah. will tell you it's yeah. not a good idea. But what, what did that create? What what it, do you think that melding of different mics made that was of, different? For example, say the, the phrase goes from here to here and it, it's a highlight. Okay. And you want the, the sound to get a bit brighter mm. when it gets to the highlight. Then, um, I mean, I, I do it on the flute anyway. Sure. I, I add the overtones as the phrase progresses. Mm. But then um, if you have for this highlight, there's a, 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 a microphone that's a little bit brighter mm. and, you can, and you can make it this smooth transition <laughs> that it just gets it, it makes it pop. That's yeah. A little bit, that wow. just a little touch more. And maybe nobody would know, but well, that, I, I knew, and that's what I wanted to do. That's how you win a Grammy, right? <laughs> that, that's that's really, really interesting, you know, having worked in studios before, like, that's a huge amount of creativity. And, and I, I wanted to ask you at, at a deeper level, because you have an interesting personal history for a musician, obviously having studied mathematics and engineering, and then you've got the musical side. What kind of similarities do you see between those two worlds, like the mathematical world of calculation that's supposed to be uh, or seen as completely separate from the musical world yeah. of creativity, but in many yeah. ways you managed to bring them together? It's a big crossover, actually, because in math, maths can be very creative. Mm. Like if you've got a, a problem and, and, uh, and you can't find a solution to it, you know, yeah. you, you, find, you, you go from a different route. Mm. Um, so... Mm. And music can be quite mathematical. I mean, mm. Ross, and you know, he's um, 
uh, his uh, compositions uh, are mathematically beautiful. Sure. So sure. there is a big crossover, um, and I think um, uh, I think the other thing that the other sort of mathematical principle that has helped me is, is a kind of a statistical awareness because mm. I'm mm. I'm aware of uh, I love I, I used to love looking at statistics mm. and the likelihood of events, right? And um, and and kind of um, charting your career mm. and deciding on which direction to go into that's relevant. Yeah. You know, you, you yeah. need an overview and, and a kind of a, a, a kind of overview plan. So I've always loved the creative part, but I've also mm. loved puzzles. Mm. Love solving puzzles. You know, when I was a teenager, my mom after school would always have a puzzle for us, mm. for the kids. Mm. And we just enjoyed, you know, having a problem and then trying to figure it out. Mm. And mm. kind of this, my, my career change was a puzzle yeah. to me. How do I solve this puzzle? Mm. Which is the optimal way. Mm. So um, on the one hand, it's this creativity and this passion that I have to share what I have inside. And on the other side, it's the excitement of solving the puzzle. Mm. You know, mm. they, they mm. came together. Tell us more about the statistical approach to career and how does that work? I'm fascinated by that. Um, like, yeah. Did, did you did you map out different options and say, okay, the the probability of success here is? Did you give it a score? Um, how did that actually well, work? You know, it's like an entrepreneur. Uh, being a musician is like being a, a very much being an entrepreneur. Mm. But what I saw, um, for example, in the beginning, I saw there's different levels of musicians. Mm. And you get all these levels of musicians fighting for crumbs, you mm. know, and competing. And then here's a different level um, of musicians that are not really that much better than these musicians. Sure. So, <laughs> sometimes quite a bit worse, yeah. actually, yeah. And, uh, but they're on a different level. They yeah. are also fighting for crumbs. Then here's a different level. And the way to get there is not necessarily fighting for the crumbs, mm. Mm. you know. The way to get there is to say, well, what do these people, what do these people have? Yeah. And how do I get there? Mm. Instead of, you know, having a narrow, so you kind of yeah. think, well, if I stay here and if I do these gigs and if I focus on this, this is where I'm going to be. And you look, you mm. try and put, project your path forward and mm. see where you will be in 10 years. But mm. if I can win a Grammy, yeah, or if I can win a, a South African Music Award, that puts me on this level, mm. you know. So now, when I when I apply for a festival and say so I'm a Samoa winner, right? Or I'm a Granny winner, which immediately puts me there. Yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not competing with these yeah. people anymore, and I'm and and so that's kind of a strategic mm. way of of mm. thinking about it. Absolutely, and absolutely. So I, I think you know these days musicians, you can't afford to be just a musician. Um, you need to really. Uh, manage your, your music business and think like an entrepreneur. And that's kind of, I think that's probably where the engineering, yeah. having run an engineering company has helped me. Mm. So, mm. Um, and that's all those factors have made this like a very unlikely story has mm. helped it to mm. come true. Yeah. Take us to, is it Winds of Samsara? Yeah. Because that's the first um, Grammy yeah. project. And you, you, you're taking Indian culture, you're taking South African culture, and you're trying to fuse them together. Um, how did how did that project come about? Uh, and 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 what was it like when a project like that launched you into that first Grammy, which took you into yeah. that that next stratosphere? Yeah, I've always listened very widely, um, and I'm always very curious about different roots music, and I've uh, and I love. Celtic music, I love flamenco, mm. tango mm. music, Indian music, mm. um, different roots music, really. Um, and I think there's something in common between South African roots music. It, it's it's kind of, you, you go back thousands of years into mm. your common past mm. and you touch the roots yeah. and, and you join parts with all this different music. So, mm. Mm. Um, Sorry, just on that, it, it's also a way of communing with past generations that exactly. have brought this music up yeah and the only way you can actually like have this connection is through these rhythms and these yeah. these melodies that 
everyone has has it brought. It is. It's a kind of mystical process. Mm. And it's 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 something that you just feel, and you, and you 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 do feel in in contact no. with your previous generations, mm. and and uh, we have such a richness of that in South Africa, which I never rec recognized before. Sure. Before I started traveling, and once I started traveling, I recognized we have such richness here, no. and I'm so grateful for that. And somehow it connects to richnesses and and and, and music all over the world. Mm. So I um, through the Grammy process, I mean, I met many. I I, I started entering my music sure. for Grammys, sure, and without any success. Mm. Mm. Um, so you have four nominations and two Grammys. Yeah, but I mean, I started a long time ago. Oh, I even before the nominations. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. that I too, started yeah. and how many how many entries did you? Well, I've entered every year oh, since wow. 2007. That is incredible. Wow, <laughs> that again, that's just so fascinating because we yeah. see the multiple yeah, Grammys. Yeah, yeah. But wow, wow. And what I didn't realize then in 2007 that um, I, I didn't know how it worked. Yeah. And I didn't know that in, even if you got an exquisite album. Hmm. Entering is not good enough because people, there's twenty thousand entries every year, and people are nobody's going to listen to twenty thousand albums. Sure. So yeah. you have to make sure people know about your music, so that they mm. when they when they see the music on the ballot, they'll mm. listen to it. Mm. So that took me a few years to discover. Right. But what happened was in that process, I got to know this Indian uh, composer producer Ricky Cage, and he sent me a few tracks that he had entered. And mm. I sent him a few tracks that I had entered mm. the years before that. And I loved what he did and he loved what I did. And we thought, let's try something together. So he mm. sent me a, sent me two tracks over. And uh, I still remember my daughter loved it. You know, I was played it to her and she says, wow. And I said, wow, oh, this is amazing. I, mm. I really have to do something to impress this guy. So I spent, you know, two weeks just to add flute to the one track. <laughs> and I just nonchalantly sent it over. I said, yeah, I've added some flute to your Oh, track. by the way. <laughs> by the way, meanwhile, <laughs> I've, I've been obsessing yeah, about Oh, I just remembered, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he loved what I did. Hmm. And uh, so we did two tracks together and we, we, we worked down, worked together beautifully. And we, we kind of realized that South African India has got such a deep link because mm, my, my grandma. Absolutely came to South Africa and um, started these uh, concepts of peaceful resistance mm. here. Mm. Mm. And then Mandela was so influenced by him that he yeah. took that uh, mm. uh, those principles and worked with them as well. So we, we wrote a song for Nelson Mandela and one for Mahatma Gandhi. Mm. And uh, it just worked beautifully. And then we decided we're going to do our whole album. And we entered it. And um, that year, we thought, well, this is amazing. We're going to promote it like crazy mm. Mm. we're gonna just promote this is like such you know this is something really special mm. so we just went like we every imaginable thing we could do to promote this album we <laughs> did and uh, and finally we we i mean we couldn't believe it but we actually got the grammy nomination yeah it was my dream because when i um i remember sitting around the kitchen table with my kids mm. um when I was just starting my full-time music career, my right. said to me, Dad, what would you like to achieve? And I said, oh, that I mean, it sounds like a wild dream, but to get a Grammy nomination, which for a South African is so hard because of the reasons that I mentioned. Yeah. You know, people have to know about your music. Absolutely. So it's not just being, not just being able to do beautiful music. And, uh, and, and the second dream that I had was to, to represent South Africa at a big occasion, which actually came through. I played at the closing ceremony of the 2010 World Cup for wow. 700 million people. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. I was watching, we were watching on TV. Yeah. So that was the second dream. And the third dream I had, because I was in love with Laurie Jones at the time, was to mm -hmm. do a duet with her. And that I'm still working on that one. <laughs> Don't worry. After you come on SMWX. <laughs> I'm sure that'll happen. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, so when we, when we got the Grammy nomination, I was yeah. so happy. And we made plans to go. Yeah. To actually, go to the Grammys. And um, in in LA, the the night before the Grammys, everybody meets 
at the Baltimore Hotel. Well, people you, people used to stay at the Baltimore Hotel. All the musicians, right? And then there's a there's a bar there, and everybody meets there. And we met there mm. on the eve of the Grammys, and I met all the other nominees in my category, mm. and mm. we were having a fantastic time. And Peter Cater, who had been at that stage, I think that was his seventh or eighth nomination. He hmm. never won before, hmm. and he was the favorite to win. Hmm. You know, hmm. he said to me, "Voter, have you prepared a speech?" I said, "No. I mean, we know you're going to win." So I don't know the He says, "I suggest you go now to your room and prepare a speech." <laughs> and um, and then I thought maybe we have a chance. You know, yeah. so I went back to my hotel room, typed something out. Next day, and I thought I'll practice it. Uh, because during the the, the, the ceremony, yeah, uh, there's there's a pre telecast ceremony and the main ceremony. Sure, sure. The main ceremony, it's all the big categories like pop mm, and mm. rap and album of the year. But mm. in the pre telecast, there's a very uh, substantive categories like jazz and classical sure. engineering, and that's where we were. And I thought, mm. well, I'll practice my speech just in case while we're doing all the other categories. And then we heard. We're the first category that'll be announced. <laughs> and we go, oh no, I don't even have a speech. I haven't practiced it. What I love about the story is like you spend 5,000 hours on the album <laughs> and you couldn't spend like just, you know, two days on the speech. <laughs> yeah, not even an hour. Yeah. So I'm going, oh no, I don't know my speech. And I yeah. start practicing it with it. people. At that stage, mm. we'd met so many people. So people come up to me, good luck, good luck. Mm. Mm. And I can't practice my speech because they're <laughs> so talking now, to yeah, me. People keep, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm just coming to close my eyes. So yeah. people, people can't tell. I'm like, practicing my speech and my eyes <laughs> open. And Tulsi, my manager, yeah, yeah. Um, said to me, stop it, right? Yeah. People think you're praying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, praying, praying for a Grammy is fine. But I mean, maybe that's how you get the Grammy in the end. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So we, yeah. we didn't think we would win it. But sure. uh, somehow we... Something had happened, mm. and um, what was that feeling like when when you when you won your first was, Grammy? Uh, it was surreal. It was just I couldn't believe it. Have you me. have you actually processed it I, to this day? I don't even think I have. Mm. You know, because it, you know, kind of the life takes over because you yeah. have to do the speech. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and you How don't want to make go, cool. By the way, it was it was fine in the end, but. <laughs> Good. It, uh, you know, I didn't want to go and make a fool of myself yeah, there yeah. in front of so many people, yeah, yeah. not knowing what to say. Yeah. And uh, and you also have to be very concise. Right. You, know, you only have a short amount of time. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, and then you, you go backstage and you go through all the press, mm. um, you know, that you do interviews. Mm. And then you have to make the most of it. You came back to South Africa and, um, and I actually, I mean, I, in hindsight, I made a mistake. Because I had gigs um, booked in Australia, mm. so I could only be in South Africa for a week. Mm. But mm. I should have been here for longer because sure, that's sure. where all the attention was. Mm. Mm. So for the for the week after the Grammys, we outsold Taylor Swift. Oh my! <laughs> for wow! For a few days. <laughs> yeah, but hey, hey, yeah, and uh, it was. I mean, you have to make the most mm. of it. Some people mm. win a Grammy, mm. and they nothing happens because mm. if you're just going to sit back. Nothing will happen. This mm. is a, a, it's a, it's a tool in your arsenal that mm. you can use to hustle, and you, I'm still hustling yeah. until today. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think what's interesting about your journey as well is that, of course, I'm the flute is, it's it's almost a rare form yeah. of form of uh, music, and yet. You also have this massive platform on social media and YouTube, and you've managed to take popular things like the Ed Sheeran Shape yeah. of You song, yeah. uh, Game of Thrones yeah. songs, take what's popular and then add the flute to that to, to get a bigger audience. Talk us through your, your YouTube strategy. Was that also statistically uh, mapped? <laughs> and, and the way that YouTube uh, has contributed to, to your wider audience around the world? Yeah. I, I mean, I've been so busy that um, actually social media-wise, I think I've underperformed. I, I think I could, and I'm, now we're starting to look at it more seriously. Oh, wow. Um, hey, so, but some of those things have like 8 million Yeah, views. Yeah, no, we... So if you're underperforming, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. Really. <laughs> yeah, that, that um, I mean, some of them, we, mm. you know, there's these two ones that kind of just, without yeah. any warning, just took off. You Did know? they really just like... Yeah, just randomly. Yeah, yeah. 
like the um, Ed Sheeran yeah. shape of you because sure. the story behind that one is that mm. uh, we were asked to do a corporate um, function and uh, where they wanted a choir mm. and at that stage I just finished that 5,000 hour album right. with the Soweto Gospel Choir and so we asked them but they weren't available mm. and then we phoned around and Zanzi Youth Choir wasn't available and then I said to Tosi, well, can you find a choir? So she started running around, found, found the Nglohu Youth Choir, who was in Mutsi three hours from Joburg, well, completely well, unknown, yeah. very little work. Um, mm. But when I, when I started working with them, I thought, wow, these kids are amazing. Mm. So I decided to do a song to try and help them broadcast their talent. And <laughs> we, we, we organized to have a, a music video shot yeah. at the Cradle of Humankind. And that that song just took off. Was it viral, like, from the moment you From the moment. It? Oh, really? Yeah, wow. wow. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things you can't understand. Yeah. Because I've tried to I've tried to replicate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, there's just something magical. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, it's the song that was sure. doing well at sure. the time. And yeah. it was our very fresh uh, version of it mm, um, mm. you know um zulu version mm. and then also these kids and then the lead singer mm. she just yeah she's was, amazing uh, on, she had on all the moves worked out really you know wow. i arrived there yeah she was just like a you know mm. she, she just added all sorted yeah she yeah, arrived yeah. there at like six in the morning six a.m hmm. and um she started singing and dancing, and we just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a combination of all those things, and it mm. just took off. And it, I was actually just starting uh, on a European tour, um, and uh, I, I said to Tosi, I don't think I can fit this music video in because we mm. don't have enough time. <laughs> and But we just managed to fit it in, and then yeah. while I was traveling, it started. Wow. started going viral. And, that, and, that, and then what happened is America's Got Talent saw this clip, Yes, yeah, so right. so that's how the Ndlovu Youth Choir ended up on America's Got yeah, Talent. Yeah, they saw the clip and then they reached out to Ndlovu and mm. uh, the choir thought it was a joke mm. initially. <laughs> you know, they thought that this is a joke. Someone say, come to America's yeah, Got yeah. Talent. Yeah, we've heard this one before. It turns out to be true. Wow. And then uh, they went, they went all the way to the finals. Mm. Mm. And in the next year, I mean, when they, the, the whole of South Africa followed their Absolutely. progress. Yeah. And by the time they got back, they were so famous mm, mm. and they got booked. And, and since then, I haven't been able to perform with them. They're just too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, voter, don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> Which is the, the most beautiful success yeah, story. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. just to have been part of that, mm, just to mm, have mm. played some part in that yeah, really yeah. means so much to me to see that happening. These kids are struggling yeah. and now... They, they've got millions of of TikTok followers. <laughs> They're touring the world, yeah, you yeah. know, just to see. And the, and their management has been amazing. Mm. You know, the choir has been amazing, and yeah. the management is that confluence of. And um, you know, they've really managed the whole process. Yeah. And they, I mean, those kids are set up for life. Yeah, um, yeah. Or the choir is set up for life. Yeah, obviously, the sure. But they they now have. Uh, enough resources to secure a future for the next 20 years absolutely or something which is yeah shout out them. to you for for the role you played in that moment for them but also the nation because for a while they captivated the imagination of south africa yeah. um how did the game of thrones idea come about because that's the other very viral one yeah on your that, YouTube been, channel. that was quite a few years before that mm. so the game of thrones i saw you know the game of thrones was happening and yeah. i saw I just saw everybody's doing a Game of Thrones mm. cover. Mm. And then I saw some people doing an all violin or an all cello. Mm. Mm. So I thought, let me do an all flute. Yeah. So I've got all my different flutes. Now, at that stage, I didn't have a contrabass flute. The contrabass flute, sorry, is a flute that's it's taller than me. Okay. It was deep, deep, deep flute. Mm. And I didn't have one, so I, I hired one in. Mm. And I created the arrangement. And and started recording it, and same kind of attention of detail. Yeah, yeah. And then I happened to be in Melbourne at the time, and I just got found a videographer there. I said, "Come to my hotel room," and uh, we just set it up there in my hotel room. Wow. And I just played 
for him and, and he never done a, a video where he could put squares yes yeah and yeah i said to him, see if you can figure it out <laughs> yeah and can't be that hard just <laughs> yeah. and he did and um, that was the first one that yeah that, that right just, um so yeah um so youtube has kind of been a semi you know we have been um trying to do mm. more than the other social media and sure. the media sites we've been focusing on that but i've i'm thinking uh only really know now what to do mm, mm, mm. and we tried to do lots of different things and experimented yeah. uh, but it those two mm. songs really helped mm. you know um, especially the the shape of you because once that went to america's got talent yeah yeah you know that was that um because then everybody started watching this video mm. Um, mm. and that 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 really helped a lot. Yeah. You know, and then Global went from zero to a, uh, to 100Ks in a very short wow. time. So I was listening to your interview on Mac G's podcast, which I found interesting. And you said something there where you said you were disappointed with the state of the country. Yeah. And then the conversation moved in a different direction. But I wanted to focus on that and get your views on where we are as a country. Yeah. I mean, I think we've got such an incredible richness and beauty and uh, diversity in this country that we don't appreciate. Mm. You know, I only started appreciating. I only started appreciating it once I started traveling, mm. and then I realized, you know, the the treasures that we have there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and uh, the people that I meet every day are so amazing. Um, I mean, um, and the the way people negotiate each other across cultural barriers and race barriers mm. i just find beautiful mm. people get along and 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 things are negotiated with humor um mm. you mm. know i i remember being in the sauna the other day and there was um i mean black indian uh, and and white mm. people in there and they, they were discussing some very sensitive subjects mm. but with such humor and such mm. understanding mm. and kindness mm. you know that I don't know if that happens anywhere else. Mm. So I think we have everything in this country, but I'm very disappointed, you know, from um, when the democracy started mm. and the, the visions that we all had mm. then. Mm. I mean, I don't think there's one person in this country that's, that's happy with the progress we've made. And it's not the people, the actual people in the country. I think it's the leadership. And um, <laughs> that... I, I don't. I think we have been let down mm. along that road somewhere by the leadership, mm. and um, that's just my opinion. And um, I imagine if Johannesburg was a a crime-free city, mm. I mean, Best just city imagine in the world. how vibrant, mm. how the nightlife mm. and the music. There's no, there's no live music mm. to speak of. In Johannesburg, imagine mm. the live music we would have. Mm. Um, the potential is here. You know, we've we've got everything. We just yeah. we just make it happen, and it's challenging, obviously. Mm. But um, you know, I can't imagine it can be that hard to sort out the power problems. <laughs> well, maybe we should bring you in as the guest engineer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I mean, it, yeah. obviously now it's hard, but mm. obviously we've we've slacked. We've ma yeah. we've made some very bad decisions mm. over the last few decades. Yeah, and um, I I don't think there's anybody in the country would say um, that was well managed. Mm. No, uh, for sure. And you know, when when I look at the artistic sector in South Africa, despite where the country is and and the headwinds we're facing with load shedding and uh, misgovernance. People like you have gone and won Grammys. We, we've got Tyler now, you know, yeah. uh, all across, um, you know, the international music scene. Ama Piano has really become a, yeah. a popular phenomenon. Um, outside of popular music, there are just lots of different artists doing incredible things. I think of someone mm -hmm. I, I know on the jazz scene called Vuma Levine. Um, and yet, we have failed to 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 really take that sector seriously, and not just have like a bunch of awards around it. Yeah. 
but actually build that into our economy in a meaningful mm. way, like you said, and think about our cities yeah. through the art and through the music that they could mm. could give. And and I think that's also a missed opportunity in the democracy to really bring art, not just as this nice thing on the side, mm. but as mm. something that's integral to the way the country actually develops and grows. Yeah, yeah I've been to so many um, music conferences and I've watched how different countries manage the artists. Mm. And for example, I've watched uh, Canada and Australia. Um, and to see, like when you go to an international conference and you'll see the support that the Canadian Australian uh, musicians get. Mm. And then it's mm. beautiful to see. Mm. South Africa does more than the US, for example. Mm. In the US, the government has no official mm. um but they have Hollywood and they have, they've taken the wall sure. by storm, so they don't need any, any support. Sure. But I, I do think um, there's space to grow. Mm. Mm. But like I'm saying, I think a big hurdle is the crime. Because mm. if, mm. um, if people don't come out at night, yeah. you know, then it's hard to make, any, uh, to make an entertainment industry work. Mm. If mm. people don't want to come out, if they're worried, if they, it becomes a culture. I was in Dar es Salaam mm. um, two months ago, got this new song with the East African artist, yes. uh, Diamond Platinum. Yeah. He's a superstar. He's, he's, um, he's got more than a billion views on YouTube. Oh, wow. He's got like, I think 17 million or now 19 million. Now you making this channel feel even worse. First you're like 8 million views is underperforming. Billion. <laughs> Yeah, he's a don't look at how many views this episode gets. <laughs> yeah, he he's an incredible superstar, and mm. um, we I was there two a.m. driving back mm. to the hotel, mm. Mm. and the roads are busy. There was a mm. traffic jam. People are walking in the streets. Mm. Mm. There's people are safe. It's not it's yeah. not as developed as we have. Yeah, the, the yeah. roads are not. Um, uh, as good in the buildings, but mm, mm. Uh, there's a kind of, um, you know, there, there must be a way um, um, to to do better. Mm. Yeah, mm. you know, mm. I think crime-wise, we see in all of Africa there are ways to do better. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just very disappointing. It's very sad mm. to see the people struggle, everyday people that are so incredible and struggle, struggle. The musicians here struggle, mm. you know, and um, it's a leadership issue. Yeah. Well, we're, we're coming to the close um, and I know you very kindly uh, accepted an invitation to flute box for us, which, which I love. Um, but I wondered if we could close in terms of the flute as an instrument and what, what, interested you in it and interests you in it and, and how you think it's unique as an instrument? Yeah, you know, I think the flute is another one of those roots things because the flute is looks like it's older than language. Hmm. So people were playing the flute before they could speak. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nobody really knows, sure, but that's one sure. of the... Because they, they actually look back and they, they, they look at the development of the mouth mm. and the throat mm. and and whether it could make the modern sounds. So they have kind of a, a timeline of right. where they think Neanderthals or humans mm. spoke. And then you look back to the oldest flute, mm. uh, which is made from bone because the reed flutes all disappeared. <laughs> you know, So the oldest um, you know bone flute is actually in about the same time. So wow. there's something very ancient, mm. something very inherent in us to play the flute. Mm. And But I obviously didn't know this when I chose the flute. <laughs> yeah, I, I just chose it because I like to use my breath mm. and it mm. just feels like it's like speaking mm. or singing. And um, I just felt it's more real to, to, to for me personally yeah. Yeah. to express myself like that. And I wasn't thinking of any of these things, but there is something magical mm. about the flute. Um, I think I'm a yeah. bit biased. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Well, Voter, uh, it's been a real joy to have you on SMWX to understand the history of your journey in music, but also, you know, the many different 
intellectual worlds you straddle. And um, thank you for putting South Africa on the map in the way you have. Congratulations on all your success. And most importantly, I know your highest accolade is being on this channel. So thank you for joining us <laughs> thank you, on SMWX. <laughs> no, it's such a pleasure. And it's yeah. nice to have a, a very, a very easy and a mm -hmm. very interesting conversation. Indeed. Ayeye, we shall end, ladies and gentlemen, with Vota Kellerman uh, on the flute. So stay tuned for a very special performance. Yeah, I'm just going to explain to you cool. kind of how this how this fits together. Yeah, because you can you can play uh, you can play notes. You can also sing. Mm. You can beatbox. Mm -hmm. You can do all at the same time. Mm. You know, so you can take a melody, for example, I'll take a low and a high melody, a low melody like. That's that, and maybe a high melody. And you those two melodies, and you can add some some beats to it. Mm -hmm. To the first one. Hey. <laughs> you can clap everyone in the <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That was brilliant. Oh,